Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is April 2nd, and last night, Atlanta United made a little bit of history, defeating Red Bulls 1-0 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on a goal from Jorgis Yakamakis. It was the first time in Atlanta United's history that it defeated the Red Bulls in a regular season match. So now its record is 1-8-4 against Energy Drink Soccer. It was a fun game. It was a very, very chaotic game. And we're going to get into that with some of your questions that you asked. As always, you can send me your questions to my email at droberson, D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N, at AJC.com. You can DM my Twitter account. That's at Doug Robertson AJC. Or you can call in your questions and keep Daniel busy because right now he's he's moved to Argentina uh, and he may be in Chile by the end of the into the podcast, but that number is 770-810-5297. If, if I sound a little sad this morning, it's because I didn't get Carvel ice cream last night at the stadium. Something happened with the machine. It's a, it's a travesty, and I'm still just a little bit broken up about it, but I'm going to be strong, and if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach, Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so as you may remember or may have tried to block out, Atlanta United was hammered by Columbus 6-1 last week at Lower.com Field in, in beautiful Ohio. So the first question I wanted to ask Maida after this game was if this was the type of performance that he wanted to see, especially considering how badly they played against Columbus. The team, of course, had six of the seven guys who were called to international duty back. The only one who was not back was Louis Abram, who was dealing with a visa stamp issue that was fixed. He didn't get it back into Atlanta until like three hours before the game, so there was no point in putting him in the game day lineup. But he should be good to go next week against NYCFC. So here's Spaneda talking about that. I think back to who we are. That was the theme of the week, and and the players show who they are today, a team that wants to play always, that shows a lot of... There's another word, but bravery to play under pressure, under a lot of pressure. Uh, um, I just told them uh, one zero, and I have my goalkeeper dribbling a forward inside the six-yard box. 
I don't have something I like all the time, but, but the message is very good, is we want to play. And, uh, but also, in the moments we needed to defend, we defend. In the moments we need to win the duels, I think we, we won most of those. So very happy for a very good performance, and obviously for first time beating uh, New York Red Bulls in, in history in their regular season. So looking at a couple of the stats, uh, Atlanta had more possession, 59-41. to 41. Led in expected goals, 1.27 to 0.74. Had fewer shots, 8 to New York's 15, but had more shots on target, 4 to 2. It did win the duels. As Pineda indicated, it was, uh, they won by like 3 or 4, 60-something to 50-something. So overall, it was it was a very gritty, gutty performance. Could Atlanta count itself a little bit lucky in some instances? It could, but so could Red Bulls because at the end of the game, Atlanta had three really good chances to score some more and were denied uh, by um, either just putting shots over the bar or by the goalkeeper. Now, because of Andrew Gutman's injury that he suffered against Columbus last week, it was an adductor issue, this was the first time that what many thought would be the preferred front four of Derek Etienne, Jurgen Zakamakis, Luis Arujo, and Tiago Amada all started together for the first time. So I got Pineda, or I asked Pineda for his thoughts on that quartet. I felt it did, did good. It was a difficult game. Uh, probably they didn't have that amount of repetitions in the final third where, where I think they can do even better. But in those little moments where we break them down and, uh, and we have small, it, it looked like transition moments, but it's actually we disrupt them and from there they create a little bit of danger. It, it, was, it looked very good. I mean, the goal starts with Myers playing that long ball into Derek, Derek playing that cut back into Thiago, Thiago shooting, and then Yakumakis instincts to, to get that, that ball. So I felt it was good. Obviously, we need still work, continue working on that. I'm very happy with the two chances in the second half from the primacy zones on the right side. And from there, I think uh, those are the type of chances we need to create more often. Uh, but very happy because it, it wasn't an easy game. Those are the two chances I was referencing earlier. It was one by Huzetu from about seven yards. He put the shot over the uh, bar. And the other was Yakamakis, who was uh, stoned by a Red Bulls goalkeeper. Looking at the stats for some of those, the, the quartet, Almada had three shots, Yakamakis had two, or Ahujo with one. They all had one shot on target. Etienne created two chances, Almada one, although I swear he had more than that. Or Ahujo with one. You know, it was, it was a decent performance, I think, by those guys. Can they be a lot better? Yes, they can. But as Beta said, they need a few more games together, I think, to kind of get their chemistry down. Now, because Brad Guzan was professional enough to come out after the Columbus game and talk about how poorly they played, I thought it only fair to go back to him and ask him how he thought the team played against Red Bulls. You know, it was important that, that we corrected things from last week in terms of our mentality, in terms of our uh, application in the game. Uh, we knew today was going to be a different type of game. Uh, we had to roll our sleeves up a bit and, and fight and battle, uh, first balls, second balls. Um, you know, the first especially the first 35 minutes. I thought we were really good. Um, uh, and then we tailed a little bit uh, towards the end of the first half. And then, um, you know, we needed a response in the second half to, to what they were going to bring. And, and I thought we had that. Uh, like I said, it wasn't always pretty at times. But other times we played some really good, some really good football. Uh, and so uh, we'll take this, we'll move on. Um, and, um, you know, use this again to continue to build upon. 
I don't know how Daniel's music is playing in the background from Argentina, but somehow it was. So that's a little bit weird. So then following up on that, I asked Guzan if, if defeating Red Bulls is more about football or just fight. I think when you play them, you understand what type of game it's going to be. Um, you know, they're a direct. Uh, they understand how they want to play. Um, and so it's, it's up to us to, to make sure we, we compete in certain aspects of the game that um, are going to be difference makers. And, and we did that for, for 90 plus minutes tonight. Um, and so, uh, you know, you go into it knowing that we have the quality to, to play and link up and, and do those things. Uh, but to do those things, you've got to do the, the dirty part first. Because of Andrew Gutman's injury, Caleb Wiley moved from left wing to left fullback, a position he hasn't played with Atlanta United for a full game, or at least started for a long time. He moved back there last week. But I wanted to get Brad's uh, thoughts on how Caleb performed. Yeah, I, again, listen, it, it wasn't just him. It was it was everybody. It, you know, long balls, second balls, tackles. I mean, you know, it, I think you saw in the first half, I mean, it, it wasn't a game where it was going to be pretty most of the game. It was going to be a game where you needed to, to roll your sleeves up. You needed to be a man out there you know it wasn't going to be a get away with just sticking a leg in for a tackle it's you need to throw your body into the tackle and and you know I thought not only him but but everyone did that. Franco Obara put a couple of Red Bulls players on their backsides in the first half I think I counted three total uh in the game now of course Atlanta United has exercised one demon with defeating Red Bulls now it has to go to another place where it and many many other MLS teams rarely have any success, and that is Yankee Stadium and the pitch that is about the size of my kitchen island that I'm sitting at here to play on next week. So I asked Brad if this is a good sign for them going to the Bronx next week. That stadium obviously presents its its own challenges. Uh, you know, we all know about it. Um, you know, we got to deal with it. it. It is what it is. And so, um, you know, we'll use this week to – to look where we can get better from today. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we, uh, we believe in each other. We believe in ourselves as a group. And, and so, um, you know, we'll, we'll take the confidence from tonight and, and look at going to, to next week with, with that and, and hopefully uh, come out of it with a good result. And I believe that children of the future, teach them well, let them lead the way. It's, it's pretty easy. Now, Caleb Wiley, who we mentioned just a few minutes ago, if you remember last season, Atlanta United was defeating Red Bulls one to nothing in in beautiful Harrisonburg, New Jersey, and Wiley put in a ill timed slide tackle in the penalty box that led to a penalty kick. Red Bulls tied the game at one, and then went on to win the game two one on a just really bizarre sequence between Alan Franco and Alex Dijon that uh, led to a counterattack. So I'll ask Wiley about if this win was especially important to him. It's the first time we've we beat them, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very important. Um, not you know not only to me, but um, to the the whole team and the whole club and fans too. And just ask Wiley about starting at left back again. I thought I did all right. I mean, you know, it's always um, fun to play in that position. I think it's a position that I played for almost my whole my whole life. Um, so you know, to to be back in that position feels great to um, feel great to me. And now here's Yurgos, who flew back from Europe, where he was with Greece, uh, with the national team, in two games in the past two weeks, on scoring the goal and getting the win. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling to score. It's an amazing feeling to contribute in order to to have some, to win some points, collect some points. 
Uh, it wasn't the easiest game we've had so far, but in the end we what did the three points and uh, it's good to know that even in the in the games that you don't perform really well, you get the three points and you move on. I asked Yorgos if it reminded him of a game in Scotland, and he said yes. It very much felt like a game in Scotland because it was so rough, and it was it was a very physical game. All right, when we come back, I'm going to go through your questions that you sent into the mailbag and try to find where Daniel has moved to as he tries to stay one step ahead of the law. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. Now, you need to really listen to this because it has changed slightly. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. And we'll send you a free bag of Doug coffee if you can tell me what the difference was in that promo compared to the promo that I've been saying through the first five games. Now, before we get in the mailbag, I'm going to take a sip of Doug coffee and we're going to listen to a couple of voicemails. Mmm, that's some good coffee. Hey, Doug, it's Chance Rigdon from Gwinnett County. Uh, I'm calling in to say how excited I am about the win tonight. It's good to bounce back after that uh, horrible loss last week. I would like to ask though, your opinion on, do you feel like this game was an actual winning performance or was this more of a tie kind of performance where we just so happened to get the win? I ask that because although we did have some great opportunities that we missed as well, one of the sitters from Gigi as well as uh, Rosetsu having that opportunity and that the last few seconds of the game, but I would also like to point out how many shots Red Bulls had, almost twice as many as Atlanta did, albeit only two of them were on target. But I would argue that had Red Bulls had more quality finishers, that shot on target would have been up. And I'm betting you there probably been a goal or two that would have snuck in against a team like your LAFCs or your Cincinnati's or your St. Louis's. Am I misreading this? Do you believe this is also more of a tie performance that we won? Or am I being a little too pessimistic in my view? Let me know what you think, Doug. I appreciate your time. Enjoy your coffee. And have a great day. Thanks, Chance. No, it, that's a you know, that's a legitimate line of thought. That's an objective look. It's not a pessimistic look, I don't think. Red Bulls had fifteen shots, ten from inside the box. They, of course, had that three-on-Miles Robinson breakaway in the first half that he single-handedly was able to stop 
And I did ask him after the game how he's able to do that, and I'm not going to share his answer uh, because I didn't have the recorder going, and I don't feel that's fair. But it was a really funny answer. Um, and just, again, showed that I think he's by far the best defender in Major League Soccer and really has been for the past few years. Walker Zimmerman is also good, but I just think Miles Robinson is a lot better. So, you know, if you want to get into debates about who is better or if Red Bulls had a better striker, this game wouldn't have been one to nothing. Well, you know, Atlanta did have chances. If Uzetu puts his shot on goal, that's another goal. If Coronal doesn't stop Yorgos from close range, that's another goal for Atlanta United. It's, um, you know, I'm always the king of looking back and being pessimistic, I've been told. But this was a good performance by Atlanta United, I think. This is a this is a building block. This is one that they can take a lot of confidence from and use it going forward, as long as they don't have another stinker like they did against Columbus. Now, quick coffee sip, and we'll go to the second voicemail. Hey, this is for Doug Roberson. This is Kevin from Charlotte. Just wanted to make a comment about Abara. I made some uh, comments earlier this year about him and Rosetto just being a potential liability for us in midfield. But he seems to be probably outside of Amada our most important piece in midfield, if not for the team. Anyways, I don't know if you have his stats for his defensive actions and tackles and everything, but he's clearly a super important player for us. So just a shout-out for him. Thanks, Doug. Hey, that's a good question. Abara, he always perplexes me. If you can get him into space, you can go around him pretty easily. But the problem is he is now staying disciplined enough that he does not leave that zone, that zone 14, which people love to throw around, and I just I hate the term. But it's the area right in front of the two center backs. We saw it uh, yesterday, particularly in the second half. He would start to leave that zone, and then he would return almost like he had a string, but he knows that's the most important place. And if people come into his little cobweb there, like a spider, he's going to go get them. And he did that several times against Red Bulls. He, he, you saw a few swings and misses from tackles from him where he just kind of sticks his leg out. But then you also saw him stick his leg out and just people would hit that leg and boom, go down. Uh, Caceres, it happened to him in the first half. It happened to another Red Bulls players. I did. I was just kind of being trying to be funny after the game. I didn't have my recorder on, but I asked Justin to ask Franco if he keeps a running count of how many people he puts on his backside with tackles in games. And he said he didn't. But yeah, he's becoming a very important player. He's he's a much, much different defensive midfielder than I think Atlanta United has ever had. If you go back, Carlos Carmona was, was fairly mobile. He was tough. He got the first red card in Atlanta United history. Jeff Lorenowitz was very mobile. He would get forward, make some late runs into the box. He, he was a gritty guy. He was a vocal leader on the team. Donington Nagby was a defensive midfielder by name, but he was more of, of a Parkhurst type of read the play, get in and, and really stop it before it even starts, and a, obviously a very good distributor of the ball. Abara has basically one job, and that is to just put people on the ground with tackles, and he does that very well. All right, on to Nick, a member of the Get Fresh crew. We've got to get some T-shirts. Daniel, can you start? I think Daniel is good at, at crocheting. Can you start crocheting some T-shirts we can start giving out to the Get Fresh crew? Anyway, Nick says, Doug, I have to say I'm ple- pleasantly surprised at how well the deep-lying midfield has performed. <gasps> I think we were just talking about this. What's the biggest difference you see in that group of players this year? Thanks as always. 
Well, they're healthy, and there's some consistency. But with Obara and Sadich starting, uh, it was Obara and Huzetu, and then Sadich came in when Huzetu got hurt. Huzetu is back. He wasn't 90 minutes fit for this game. I'll be curious to see if he starts at Yankee Stadium, which, uh, you know, I'm also going to be curious to see the formation that Lenny Hutt is going to use. They've used this kind of four – on defense, it's like a, almost a five – two, two, one type of a thing uh, with Leonard and Wiley playing on the same line as the center backs. And when they go forward, it's almost like a four, one, 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 three. And I forgot a number somewhere. Four, one, one, four, one, two, whatever. You get the picture. Going forward with the ball. But just some consistency in the lineup, I think, is a huge, huge help. Uh, Abara, particularly, as we just talked about on the voicemail, how well he's playing. Daboonful, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, says, great win because we beat Red Bulls with an average performance. Well, that's what Red Bulls tends to do to opponents. It makes them look average. But ATL needs to focus on cleaning up two continual defensive things. He says, or she says, defensive marking in transition and inside the penalty box without some grade A sweeping last night, we'd really been in trouble with broken assignments. Guzan chasing chaos and ping-pongs in the pin box is not what we want. That was a really interesting sentence. Guzan chasing chaos and ping-pongs in the pin box. All right. A little alliteration. And decisive clearances, often a full boots completely out of danger or out of bounds, is needed instead of chips back into hot spots. This almost sounds like a chatbot wrote it. But I know it wasn't written by a chatbot. It seems like we kept gift-giving cute passes and chips in dangerous areas to the Red Bulls to recounter after we initially stomped out the threat. Okay, so I'm going to try to decipher this second one. Atlanta did commit some bad turnovers in some very dangerous areas. Tigo Almada had at least two where he tried to hit a crossfield pass and it just didn't quite get there, and Red Bulls pounced and were off to the races. Uh, Etienne had a turnover that led to that three-on Miles Robinson break in the first half. I'm pretty sure that was Etienne. But that's what Red Bulls tries to do. It creates those situations. It lulls you into, which is a weird passive verb considering how aggressively Red Bulls plays, but they lull you into certain spots on the field, try to make you do that thing, and then bounce. Um, Or depending on who has the ball in the spot on the field, they will aggressively press and try to create those turnovers. So I thought Atlanta United, for the most part, played against that press really, really well. The first half, they were really, really good. Second half, I think fatigue started to set in, maybe with some of the guys who are away on international break uh, coming back. But they won. So, anyway, good questions. Will says, hey, Doug, I'm sorry to hear about the Carvel machine. You and me both, buddy. Peace. Beneta talked about attracting pressure through possession, creating gaps, and being clinical finding those gaps. Do you think the goal and other chances were a result of the game plan or were they individual efforts outside of the game plan? So that's a, that's an interesting question. We are now fortunate enough to see, to watch the entirety of the Tuesday trainings. And Beneda will come over and talk to us about um, what they're going to do and why they're doing it uh, in their training sessions. And you can kind of see, oh, this is how it's going to work. Uh, in the game on Saturday. And so the things they worked on 
on Tuesday of this week, you could see them implementing in the game. It was about breaking pressure. It was about winning the duels. It was about being competitive in every situation on the field. And, and I think Atlanta United did that very, very well. The goal, we didn't get to see what they worked on Thursday, but I was on Joe and Sam's uh, quick podcast after Thursday's training session, and I told them that Pineda talked about short passes out of to break the pressure, but I'll put the over-under, I can't remember what the number was, on the number of big switches we're going to see in the game. And sure enough, Miles Robinson hit a big switch to Etienne, who took a touch, laid it off to Almada, who hit a very, very hard shot. I asked him after the game if, if it had swerve on it, if that's why New York's goalkeeper uh, spilled it. And he said, no, he just hit it hard. And then Yorgos was the first to pounce. So I, I think that's just, it's a tactic that Atlanta United has worked on. And you'll see it in games all the time. And, and this time it works. So no, I, th- I think that was a, a tactic. Uh, and he continues, the episode of Law and Order that stuck with him most is solitary. Your thoughts on that episode. So that was a Law & Order Special Victims episode uh, about uh, Elliot Stabler, uh, Detective Elliot Stabler, who was attacked by a guy um, who said he was the victim because he was in solitary confinement uh, for a long time while he was in prison. So, yeah, it's a that's a very, very good episode, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I'm going to have to go and find that and watch it again. Now, Daniel, I think, has moved to Paraguay. Uh, Nick says, the team is looking good, though today was a bit chaotic with the current lineup. Losing Almada would definitely change the conversation. What incentives and or leverage does the club have to keep him until the end of the season? Well, he is under contract, so that's the leverage. Do you think Almada could be more interested in finishing a monster season in MLS and becoming an Atlanta legend, or is the pull from Europe too strong? Well, again, we, we talk about this every week. First, Atlanta has to get an offer which wouldn't happen until the summer window. Well, it could happen earlier, but business couldn't be conducted until the summer window. It would have to be an offer that both the club and Almada find attractive. And then you go from there. Now, the team could always agree to sell Almada to a club under the condition that they keep him on loan until either their season is done or they're eliminated from playoff consideration. Uh, I don't think they're going to be eliminated from playoff consideration, so you go until the season is done. So that could be the leverage. Now, obviously, Almada risks injury, and, and the purchasing club risks a lot in agreeing to that. So it would have to be a pretty sweet deal. But anyway, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting summer, that's for sure. Nick continues with his second question. I keep waiting for Arahujo to have his moment and rise to the level his skills should deliver. What keeps holding him back? Uh, he's had a quiet couple of games here. His work on defense can't be questioned. He works very, very hard on defense. But he didn't really get the ball. He had one good chance, I think, against Red Bulls. But he didn't really get the ball in good spots. And keep in mind, other teams are trying to prevent him from getting the ball in good spots too. So you have to give them some credit for that also. Now it's up to Arahujo and Atlanta United to kind of find a counter and get him into some good spots, whether it might be switching him and Etienne uh, in a game for a little bit, moving from Arahujo to the left and Etienne to the right, uh, just to try to keep things fresh. Anyway, we'll see what happens. And it continues. One more. Do you know what the delay on the stream is? When I watch at home, I try to stay off Twitter because everything happens there first. Now, that that's always been the case. Um, I, since I'm there live at almost every game, you'll find out what's going to happen about 15 seconds before you see it on your TV or your tablet or your phone or your bed sheet hanging from the tree limbs in the backyard if you're using a projector 
you know, however you consume your sports or your news. So that's not an unusual thing. And he says, thanks always for the great work you do covering the team. Well, thank you for always sending in fantastic questions. Mike says, sloppy, hard fart game. Did I say hard fart? Sloppy, hard fought game, but Atlanta United showed how dangerous they are on the counter. The midfield does such a good job with their three passes. On a different day, that's 3-0 Atlanta United. Agreed? Possibly. It could have been 2-2. That's why we play the game. Atlanta United won. Uh, But they did do a good job with their their passes. That pass from Miles. Miles had just a monster game. Just a monster. Both going forward uh, with the ball and, and defensively. It's a shame that well, it's not a shame. I'm happy for him. He's going to likely, I would guess, end up in Europe. And Mike says, make me feel better about Liverpool because I'm seriously concerned about the future. I'm not concerned about the future. They just they got to get the midfield sorted. Harvey Elliott does a lot of good things, but it seems like when he's on the field, and I don't know why this is, Liverpool just does not play well. There's a lack of speed in the midfield. He's not the quickest cat as Elliott. And I'm not pinning yesterday's defeat uh, to the Qatari nation state on him. It's just it is what it is, but they're gonna they're gonna show up the midfield in the transfer window and, and off we go. Adam says, if you've not already addressed the referee in your match recap, please offer your thoughts here. I know our end of the venue was really he puts in all caps frustrated with the inconsistency of calls for the physical play. Yeah, so Alex Chilowitz, the uh, referee, did not have the best of games. I'm stunned that we finished with 22 men on the field because there were 10 yellow cards given. Six in the first half, obviously four in the second. I had to take my shoes and socks off to do some ciphering to get that right. But it, it was just a, it, he didn't do a good job calling the game. He kind of lost control early and then tried to get control back, and that's always dangerous. Um, I think he would probably admit it wasn't the best game. The foul on Guzan in the first half, I don't know how that wasn't reviewed. There was another play in the first half um, when Almada and uh, Cornell collided. That I don't know how that wasn't reviewed on top of all the yellow cards. You were, there were more yellow cards than shots on goal. So he could have probably had a better game. Adam says around the 60-minute mark, Lennon and Arjou. God, I can't talk today. Around the 60-minute mark, Lennon and Arjou rather casually took a short corner that eventually led to a breakaway for the other team. I'm firmly against the short corner approach. What say you? Yeah, I don't like it much either. I can remember when Tata was here, Atlanta United would try all these really, really complicated corner kick routines that never, ever worked. It was almost always a turnover or the ball would end up back with Brad after a long, long pass backward. Corner kicks to me are like special teams in football. Don't overcomplicate it. Just try to put the ball around seven yards from goal in the middle of the penalty box and see if one of your guys can win it. Special teams... Don't do all the shifting and the motioning and all that. Just line up in a basic formation and punt or kick a field goal. It just seems like you're trying to justify your salary by making things just really stupidly complicated. And he continues, Amada was relatively quiet last night. I'm sure some of that was a combo of fatigue from his travel and good defensive marking. But did you see anything new that RBNY was going was doing to bottle him up that future opponents might try? No, I mean, I thought he, you know, I thought he had a decent game overall. He had a couple of those bad turnovers, but he may have been a little bit tired. He didn't get in till Thursday morning after an overnight flight from Buenos Aires. And uh, I'm really curious. I really want to watch him play at Yankee Stadium next week, particularly in the form he's in. 
Gary says, how would you rate the referee's performance last night and how does approach affect each team's strategy? I don't know if it affected each team's strategy. And, and as I said earlier, I don't think he had a very good game. Dr. Follis, friend of the podcast, friend of mine, says, I hope this message finds you well. Looking forward and having dinner sometime in the near future. Well, I'd like that. My question is the following. I would have expected the substitutions to be Wolf for Arahujo, Sosa for Sadich. What was the purpose of Chol and Huzatu instead? Well, Chol, you get some fresh, fast legs on the field to try to take advantage of Red Bulls pressing forward to try to get that tying goal. And Huzatu comes in just to try to quiet the game down uh, with some possession and some good passing. Are we going to see very limited minutes from Sosa this season? Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't particularly impressed in the few minutes that he's gotten this year. Uh, Ozzy Alonso, I think, is probably going to rejoin the team training next week, if I had to guess, based upon what we're seeing and in, in my experience watching the guys come back from injuries. I, I don't think he'll play against you know NYCFC. I think he's still a, two week, a couple of weeks from game action. But I don't know. He's just kind of fallen out of the pecking order. It continues, I'm not sure Pineda likes Sosa as much as I do. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. Your friend always. Well, thanks. we got three questions left. Coffee sip. Hey, Doug, what is Etienne's value to the starting lineup? In attack, I have seen nothing from him yet. I know it's a small sample, but Wiley at that position and even Chole seem to be better. Well, Wiley has been very good. This was Etienne's first start, so I didn't think he had a great game. I thought he waited on the ball sometimes a little too much instead of going and getting it and it led to turnovers, but it's way too soon. I mean, he's got speed. He's played well as a sub in the first few games. Just give him a couple of games, and and, uh, and let's see. I think it's too early to start criticizing him. And Wally has to play fullback, so we can't play both positions at the same time right now. Josh says, who is your vote for your worst-performing referee of an Atlanta United match ever? My vote is for Alex Chilowitz tonight, but we've had a couple of doozies over the years. You know, it's a great question. I'd have to go back and look. I can remember that there was a game. This was two years ago, and I can't even, can't even remember the referee, but I was talking with, with Lorena Witz after, and he was just like, just talking about how much he disliked that refer- this particular referee because he was so inconsistent all the time. I'd have to go back and try to find look through the archives and figure it out. I'll try to get back with you on that. And now... Our question of the week. Eric says, is it too much trouble to ask that a $1.6 billion stadium house a functioning $75 ice cream machine? That is the best thing that I've ever read. Thank you, Eric. And I want to wish safe travels and good luck to my son, uh, my former stepkids as well, who are all uh, on a school trip. They're currently in Austria right now. They're going to get to see Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. It's a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for them to to just learn about other countries, to, to get exposed to some different cultures, some different ways of thinking. And I hope they take a lot from it. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, 
do and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.